meanwhile. On stage tonight, Dimension X. 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 Still, 88.5 FM. The rockets came. And 100.7 FM. The next ship came down from the stars. And Marion and Polk County. In the black velocities and the silent gulfs of space. Salem and Kaiser. And landed by night. Taking over the entire planet at KMUZ.org. Near a Martian city. The men of Earth came to Mars. They came because they were afraid or unafraid, because they were happy or unhappy, because they felt like pilgrims or did not feel like pilgrims. The government posters screamed, there's work for you in the sky, see more! The men shuffled forward, all kinds of men, all coming for different reasons. Mid-Valley Mutations. Welcome to Mid-Valley Mutations, here on KMUZ. And uh, we've got a very special program for you this evening. We are returning to uh, one of our earliest presentations, The Martian Chronicles, Part 2. And uh, as part of that, we're bringing you an adaptation of the story, And the Moon Be Still as Bright. Now, uh, of course, these are the Ray Bradbury classics. I don't need to tell you that. And, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of fun stuff uh, you know, hidden away in these stories. But I should probably say up front, uh, the sound quality of the uh, recording we're going to listen to is uh, mm, not as uh, good as I usually like. Uh, it's from uh, September 29th of 1950. And so uh, there's a little bit of tinniness to it. I've done my best to kind of EQ it for modern ears, but uh, 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 give yourself a few moments to adjust to uh, a sound of radio that uh, listeners at home have probably uh, not heard for decades. Uh, And uh, give yourself that uh, breathing room to uh, adjust and enjoy uh, the story, because uh, this one is pretty excellent. But uh, I'm talking a little bit too much. Uh, just uh, sit back and enjoy, uh, you know, uh, the section one of our story tonight. The floating red disk of Mars. All part of the Martian Chronicles here on Mid Valley Mutations.
Tonight, Dimension X presents The Martian Chronicles. A dramatization of the new novel by one of our most brilliant young science fiction writers, Ray Bradbury. The Martian Chronicles. Dimension X presents The Martian Chronicles. A dramatization of the new novel by one of our most brilliant young science fiction writers, Ray Bradbury. The Martian Chronicles. Tonight, transcribed from Ray Bradbury's collection, The Martian Chronicles. And the moon be still as bright. Tonight, transcribed from Ray Bradbury's collection, a Martian Chronicle. Dimension X, 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 X. And the moon is still as bright. Ray Bradbury. The Martian Chronicles. A dramatization of the new novel by one of our most brilliant young science fiction writers. Tonight, Dimension X presents... On stage tonight. The Martian Chronicles. And the moon is still as bright. expeditions to Mars left Earth in a mushroom of flame, arced through the atmosphere and finally dwindled to tiny specks in the big eye of Mount Palomar telescope. And then were lost to sight forever. The prearranged landing signals flashed back to Earth. And then the radios went dead. One after the other, ships had disappeared and were never heard from again.
and then the radios went dead. Now a man don't mind if the stars grow dim and the clouds blow
Arthur. Get down. Get down,
and you are listening to Mid-Valley Mutations, bringing you The Martian Chronicles, with a story called, And the Moon Be Still as Bright. Now, I understand what you're saying if you tuned in late. Wow, really low sound quality. And yes, unfortunately, this is a recording from September 29th of 1950, so... Hopefully, uh, we can give it a little bit of leeway in terms of the uh, quality of the presentation. Uh, I've done my best to kind of EQ it, but it is what it is. You just heard Welcome to Tomorrow uh, by Art Minio from the Man in Space with Sounds record. Blues for Planet Mars by Last of the Juanitas. Lost in the Stars by the Evolutionary Jazz Band and... We are listening to Can perform something unfinished from their landed album. Now we've been traveling through space trying to get to our red neighbor. Uh, and uh, where last we left, I think our crew is uh, finally about to uh, touch down. So uh, let's hear part two of our story tonight. The edge of a vast city. Here on Mid-Valley Mutations. I think it's time for them to get lost in the city. The last flash of the bow jet broke red against the blue desert sand. And the ship slid to a halt at the edge of a vast city that reflected the icy glare of the moonlight. For I'm symbolic, you're superstitious. If I'm lost, at least I have something to find. Protect me, it's not there to bind us. Freedom is not something to be ascribed. The blue desert sand, the last black broke red of a bow jet at the edge of a vast city that reflected the icy glare of the moon. And the ship slid to a fall. To soar and fly is the best we can dream. Maybe it leads to utter disappointment Rather by what we need from each other Falling freely in a spiral and Slid to a halt at the edge of a vast city. 
find out what happened to them. Eddie Martin and Dutchman Frenchman. Brendan, you're an archaeologist. How old would you say those buildings are? Somebody built these cities. Oh, I can't tell that I studied them more closely. What kind of engineering we couldn't duplicate on this. They didn't read like cars and the stones of the wouldn't stand up under earth pressure. Beautiful, aren't they? I'm not interested in the architecture now. I want to make sure there's nothing there that might be dangerous. I have a way. I want you to take a reconnaissance party into the city and find out what's there. But it all looks good from the air, sir. It looks good, but I want to make sure. Mr. Spender, you better go with that. Yes, sir. Don't waste any time gathering another field. We're going to make an archaeological study later. Right now, I want to secure it in the court. Yes, sir. We set up camp right here. No man is to go more than 50 feet from the rock. And there'll be no celebration for Hathaway in this party with what's that? No, sir. It's uh, just that uh, we've been cooped up in the... That's all, sir. We've landed, Satan. We're not safe yet. Not until we know what we're up against here. We'll maintain full security. So Hathaway can
cigarette, Captain. That dirty, silly child to be my chicken pox. didn't even give him a decent excuse for dying. We just gave him chicken pox. Bender, get hold of yourself. We didn't see those bodies, Captain. Mid-Valley Mutations. And you are listening to Mid-Valley Mutations here on KMUZ. And you are listening to The Martian Chronicles, where we are presenting And the Moon Be Still as Bright, a story by Ray Bradbury. You just heard part two, The Edge of a Vast City, where we listened to Lost in the City by 11th Stream Day, Big City After Dark by Link Ray and his Raymen, Drab City by The Features, San Antonio Desert by The Memphis Goons, and Red Planet by The Common Set Angels. Uh, we don't have much more program left, and you know when I talk, things don't rock, so we're going to switch things over to part three of our story we've got to celebrate and what's this i think i hear a party beginning keep it locked here on mid-valley mutations must have been a shock you need a rest a little relaxation martians are dead there's nothing you can do about it now
hear that? The marshes are all dead. Well, tomorrow, let's break out a bottle and open it up. I'll buy it, Captain. Well, all right, man. Oh, that's right. Half away, see the security guard. Yes, sir. Lord, do they have to do that now? It's been a tough trip. It's only natural they'd want to celebrate a little. Celebrate that the world died because a rotten little virus from Earth wiped out a whole civilization? Well, they're not thinking of Isn't that. Is it time later to throw old beer cans into the canal? A civilization died here. Like butchering a pig in a churchyard. Well, do you think too much? Very lucky to get to Mars without catching a meteor in our bulkhead. Let it go at that. The first day for save our Mars. We've got to celebrate. <laughs> Many bottles were opened and struck. The voices got louder. The earth laughed and shouted, echoing across the empty Martian sand. Bottles were opened and struck. The voices got louder. The earth laughed and shouted, echoing across the empty Martian sand. What are the people who don't have what I ain't got? Are they victims of my leisure? To fail is to be a victim. To be a victim of my choice. Maybe parting will help.
And as we sit and listen to the wind, we must also bid adieu to another episode of Mid-Valley Mutations. Man, an hour goes fast, as they say on the Antiques Phonograph Music Program, and uh, I'm quoting Mac as well, because it really does. We just heard the Coach Whips. Oh, remember the Coach Whips with Your Party Will Be a Success? Maybe Partying Will Help by the Minutemen uh, and King Crimson with I Talk to the Wind. Uh, you know, it's time to be taken to the other side as we wrap up this particular installment of the Martian Chronicles. But don't worry, part two of And the Moon, Be Still as Bright, is coming soon. And, uh, all sorts of good stuff on the program throughout the rest of the year. Live music next week. Entresol and Entrail, part of the Attack of the Killer E's taking over this program. And all sorts of fun stuff. Check out the uh, MyFacer Plus and the uh, Twinstagrambler. I think we're all on there nowadays. And, uh, we got all sorts of fun things there. What can I say? You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no show. Be seeing you.
history of field recording is central to the development of electronic music. My name is George Johnson. It's not that long ago. Retired. <laughs> when recordists and researchers KMUZ Turner working with sound 88.5 FM thought of it as a mechanism 100.7 FM through which objectivity could be transmitted to Mary and Polk County. One needs to listen no further to Salem and Kaiser than early ethnomusicians Ecology, taken over the entire planet and mid-century wildlife recording at KMUZ for examples of this attitude. Doc Ward. The Organization of Sound, Field Recordings and Music Concrete, Part 2. Mid-Valley Mutations. Now. He is the host of Mid-Valley Mutations. Austin Rich. And welcome to Mid-Valley Mutations. Here on KMUZ. And uh, thank you very much, Papa Dookie, for bringing us all the way to the 10 o'clock hour. But it is time for the weekend to truly begin as we bring you Mid-Valley Mutations. The Organization of Sound Part 2, as we uh, continue to explore uh, Musique Concrete and uh, field recordings. And (laughs) I have to apologize in advance. I was not able to make it to uh, KMUZ tonight, so we are actually on my front porch. (laughs) That's right. I couldn't get to the station. I'm sorry. So uh, we're broadcasting entirely from uh, that uh, outdoor location. I'm I'm locked out of the house, actually. Uh, I think maybe for another hour. We'll see. Hope somebody gets my phone call. Uh, Anyway, uh, so in the meantime, we're going to be playing some field recordings and uh, 
try to stay dry. Audience participation is happening. 503-990-6101. Let's get uh, your stuff on the air. Give us a call. You know, we'll find out uh, what these field recordings are like together. Stay tuned. We'll be back. The history of field recording is central to the development of electronic music, with with artists drawing on its theories and strategies to create distinctive sound worlds. Why, for example, is it some of these types of recordings move us, and others simply don't? The pretense to being objective brought with it an inferred negation of agency. that somehow the recordist was simply capturing moments of the reel when they started the tape rolling. The idea of objective recording in the field Thankfully now problematized and rejected. Still lingers though like a specter haunting the ways many listeners consider recordings. It is as if, somehow, because of where they are recorded they are true.
The issue for anyone who undertakes field recording as part of their practice is to recognize that agency and ultimately a kind of creative subjective listening is vital if the work is to transmit the listener's listening. But what is field recording? And moreover why has it become a substantial presence in the contemporary sound ecologies? Nearly two decades ago it was a somewhat uncharted realm lacking vigorous and pluralistic investigations. To listen is not always to hear recognizing the start of something isn't always as straightforward as it seems. Hence the persistence of hindsight. For example the reasons of how I became interested in field recording took root not from recording, but rather listening. When I was a young boy, I would go to an abandoned part of the port of Brisbane. Which has since turned into a string of lifeless condos. Back in the early 1980s, though this area was a wasteland of sorts, a refuge for animals and birds. And a favorite haunt of my father who would take my brother and I there for all kinds of adventuring. particular species of bird. The
The Reed Warbler. The Warbler will be with Killer species of bird. The Reed Warbler. The Reed Warbler. It sounded incredible. Like a modular synthesizer on steroids. Easy to listen for, but due to the bird size, color and penchant for hiding in the reeds, it was very difficult to see. To combat this predicament, my father told me first to close my eyes and then to listen. To locate the bird with my ears and then open my eyes and look for it. Not that I thought about it at the time, but this is my first memory of actually listening. When I say listening, I mean focusing on events in space and time. Excluding as much sonic material, if not more, than I actually chose to listen to from that given horizon of listening. The reason I mention this story is that, in many ways, that process of listening for the bird, of focusing in and on sound in a particular space and time, consciously drawing out particular elements in preference to others is, for me at least, at the very core of what field recording is about. Broadly, field recording can be summarized as a diverse set of practices concerned with recording sound from atmospheric, hydrophonic, geophonic, electromagnetic and other sources. It is a sprawling pursuit, 
but resolves toward an interest in creating and transmitting an impression of audition in time. As field recording, in its contemporary phase, has come to be acknowledged more widely, there has been a rising tide of publications from artists scattered across the globe. These artists are primarily investigating the potentials of environments, acoustic phenomena and all manner of other auditory situations. situations in which they find themselves this growth in activity owes much to specific technological and economic shifts which have increased access exposure and opportunity to participate, both as creator and audience. What unites the more successful of these publications is the intensity of perspective and impression they reveal to an audience. I'd argue, the most affecting recordings offer a focus that lays beyond the everyday listening we experience. They reveal depth or presence that transforms the moment of recording into something hyper-real, that can be meaningfully engaged with by other listeners at a future times and in different places. I'd also argue to be merely exotic or unusual is not enough to make powerful field recordings. Stay tuned.
Mid-Valley Mutations will bring you more of these field recordings as we present The Organization of Sound, Part 2, here on KMUZ. Whereas a curiosity for the atypical might have pervaded throughout earlier parts of the 20th century, the conditions of the digital age, travel opportunities and the abundance of access to just about anything, makes the notion of the exotic problematic at best and just plain toxic at worst. Stay tuned. Today, we seek new perspectives and exposures that refocus sometimes even the most commonplace experiences into profound and provocative listening situations. Fred Meyer donates 2.5 million per year to nonprofits in the Pacific Northwest. If you shop at Fred Meyer, you can help KMUZ. If you have been supporting KMUZ through the Community Rewards Program, you need to re-enroll because Fred Meyer reorganized the program. To enroll, link your Fred Meyer Rewards card to KMUZ Community Radio. Go to fredmeyer.com/communityrewards. You can search for KMUZ there. Then. Every time you use your rewards card, you help KMUZ earn a donation. And you still earn your rewards points, fuel points, and rebates. Rewards cards are available at the customer service desk of any Fred Meyer store. For more information about supporting KMUZ through this program, see fredmeyer.com slash community rewards. The Organization of Sound, Field Recordings and Musique Concrete. Mid-Valley Mutations. Part 2. And we are back. Or should I say front, because we are on my front porch. Uh, that is right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've been locked out of the house, and I can't get to the radio station, so I'm doing the show here on the porch. Uh, but, you know, uh, we are persevering uh, as we present to you The Organization of Sound, Part 2. Uh, and uh, in that segment... Uh, not only did you hear the words of Lawrence English, but that's right, there was a little bit of uneasy chairs in there from the free improv- improvised lunch uh, uh, experiments. That was number two. Uneasy chairs live on the program last week. That was pretty amazing, actually. We had a really good time, uh, and uh, yeah, it's all on the interwebs. You can... Uh, you can stream it, you can download it, you can watch video even. It's kind of kind of amazing. Now, uh, stay tuned to the program because uh, we got all sorts of fun stuff coming up in the weeks ahead, including 
Uh, well, let's see. Uh, we have got our Thanksgiving special next week, which, you know, we don't uh, know exactly what that is going to entail just yet. But, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be um, pretty excellent. I think we're going to get to some stuff that we haven't been able to get to throughout the rest of the year. You know how it is with uh, these kinds of things. You know, you want to... Um, uh, you want to be able to, uh, uh, you know, offer up uh, some of those missed opportunities and, and, and get to uh, get to the exciting stuff. So, uh, so yeah, Thanksgiving special coming up soon. And then uh, we also have Four Dimensional Nightmare on the program. That's going to be on December 2nd. And, uh, yeah, you know, a friend of the show, been on in the past incarnations, but hasn't been on... Mid Valley mutations, so uh, that's gonna be very exciting. Uh, I believe sometime in December, uh, the author Jeremy Height and I are doing a little bit of a collaboration. We're still nailing down the exact dates and whatnot, um, but I believe December twenty third is gonna be our Christmas party. At least the Mid Valley mutations Christmas party. And uh, don't forget, December thirtieth, that'll be our New Year's program preparing you for the new year ahead. Now, uh, I think it's time for us to go to Williamsburg from my porch.
well, you know, as much fun as it is on my porch, I actually heard that um, my neighbors uh, just got some chickens. So uh, why don't we take a walk? Uh, do you guys want to come with me? Yeah? Cool. It's just down this way. I think it's just over here. Yeah, you hear that? I don't want to... I don't want to stop because I always draw attention when I stare, but it, I always find these uh, chickens to be very fascinating. And they're in my neighborhood, too. Pretty amazing. We just gotta keep walking here, you know, they don't wanna draw too much attention. Sure, have a lot of chickens. chickens, you know. Man, I hate the rain. But, you know, we are in a drought, so it's nice. It's actually kind of Pleasant dish, so maybe maybe I should hold back on that. It's easy to forget that the history of sonic reproduction stretches back just over a century and a half. 
Thomas Edison's phonograph, the precursor to all modern home playback systems and the first widely available reproduction device, surfaced only in the fading moments of the 19th century. Its effect was seminal, affecting the ways we understood listening. The phonograph heard everything, it did not participate in the subjective, psychological filtering of our ears. This recognition was a crucial awakening and a moment that has shaped subsequent thinking about audition in the 20th and 21st centuries. listed a curious variety of uses, including the recording of the last dying words of family members, but it was to be the reproducibility of music that would indelibly stain phonography into the fabric of popular culture. Not everyone was so wed to the phonograph as just the first musical bootlegging device though. The earliest recorded non-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-I-C sound came care the young Ludwig Kaka recorded the common charma, a bird, with his father's wax cylinder recorder in 1889. still a child at the time, would go on to become one of the earliest wildlife recordists and a highly regarded broadcaster. also responsible for creating a range of recording techniques that were revolutionary in their day. As the 20th century took hold, the subjects of recordings expanded within anthropic circles also, spilling out of the concert hall and into the field.
ethnomusicologists such as Hugh Tracy and Alan and John Lomax, as well as Australia's Alice Marshall Moyle and Japan's Kirozawa Taketomo, all undertook extensive fieldwork recording musical traditions and languages. many of which no longer exist. <sighs> Man, I shouldn't have gone this way. It takes forever. Indeed, the earliest use of the term field recording is aligned with the practices of these researchers and archivists. There's just so much traffic, too. Ugh. What marks these individuals so very of their time, though, was their thinking that the recordings made could be effectively objective and real. These notions, like those more broadly concerned with ethnography, have thankfully transitioned to more subjective understanding of the processes of recording. It's this shift, however, that marks an important transition into contemporary understandings of field recording. There is no such thing as documenting a reality. There is no divide between documenting and creating. point is I don't build dreams neither by field recording nor by playing my electronics instruments or computer. To choose equipments, choose positioning, and push record button are acts of composing. Tiny meaningless noises can be a beautiful composition. To summarize I can use this equation. I push the record button equals someone making a music concrete piece equals Bach. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Mid-Valley Mutations from my porch after this. Spanish sound artist Francisco Lopez also argues against the notions of documentary objectivity.
His work, which centers around the transformation of reality, though sound materials recorded in the field, pushes a reductive approach to listening. Mondays make you blue? Well, we are here to tell you that there are blue skies ahead on the island of Radio Exotica, where it is always 80 degrees and sunny. Join the girl from Ipanema and Auntie Viviwa on Radio Exotica for the first happy hour of the week, every Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. on KMUZ. On our vacation together, we will dig through our vintage vinyl collection to play Exotica and Tropical Lounge, Hawaiian and Tahitian music, and Latin jazz and bossa nova. And of course, a refreshing beverage is served each hour. Let the tropical breezes carry you to the island of Radio Exotica. Pull up your beach chair, bury your toes in the warm sand, and put an umbrella in your drink. Join us on Radio Exotica, Mondays from 4 to 6 p.m. Only on KMUZ. 100.7 FM, 88.5 FM, and on the Coconut Wireless at KMUZ.org. Community Radio for the Mid-Willamette Valley. And now it's time for the weather. Thank you, George. This is the Mid-Valley Mutations Weather Computer, and here is a look at the local weather, brought to you by microphones. What was that? Did you say something? Speak up, you're not loud enough to be picked up by the microphones that are hidden in your house, recording your every action. What's that? No, they aren't. Ha 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 ha. That's a good one. But seriously, they're everywhere. Always listening. Tonight. Showers this evening, becoming a steady rain overnight. Duh. Low around 45 degrees. Winds southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 70%. The name of the game is... Wet. Maybe wear those rubber boots in the back of your closet that you never wear anymore. Sunrise at 7.14 a.m. Tomorrow. Mostly cloudy skies. Slight chance of a rain shower, but isn't that always the case? I think there's a slight chance of rain at any given moment in this state. High of 62 degrees. Winds south by southeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. I guess I can't deny that I need to pull out my winter coats now. No use putting it off much longer. Sunset at 4.38 p.m. Wait, what? That's gotta be a typo, that's, like, the middle of the day, dude. Come on. And that was a look at the local weather, brought to you by the weather computer, and microphones. Because you can't embarrass your friends more completely than you can when you record them saying something stupid with microphones. Now built into that device you carry around in your pocket, all the time. 
Now, back to Mid-Valley Mutations. The Organization of Sound, Field Recordings and Musique Concrete. Mid-Valley Mutations. Part 2. Yes, we are returning to this subject from my porch. We just went for a nice walk, actually, around the block. That was kind of nice. But we are still locked out, and uh, I could not get to KMEZ today. I, I do apologize. Uh, we do the best that we can from my porch. Yeah, uh, you know, mixed in that last little block there, you heard uh, Williamsburg Bridge by Fred Frith. As we explore some of the uh, music, concrete, and field recordings, stuff like that that we are quite fond of. And, and we have a bit more, actually, uh, before the end of the program here. So uh, um, keep it locked. Audience participation, 503-990-6101. Uh, call us with your field recordings and play them over the phone. Now. Where were we? One informed by the theories of phenomenologist Edmund Hocherall and French musique concrete pioneer and group de Recherches Musicales, GRM leader Pierre Schaeffer. The move away from the representational and documentative does not essentially depend on transformation of sounds, but fundamentally on the listening mode we carry out. Reduced Hosserlian Schaefer Ian One opens, in my opinion, the gates to a different world that tends to be self-referential and thus more open and free. I use these materials as sound in itself, as opposed to the representational approach. That is, as phenomenological substance, both in their manifestation as originally recorded and in the typically long process of evolution that that takes place in the making of my compositions. Reduced listening is the attitude which consists in listening to the sound for its own sake, as a sound object by removing its real or supposed source and the meaning it may convey. The theory originally developed by Schaefer marks out a discrete stream of activity within contemporary field recording, one that is very much about the absolute value of the sound. This idea, 
of sound in itself and acousmatic listening has become a battleground of late with a number of academics and cultural critics problematizing the idea. The most vocal of whom is Seth Kim Cohen, whose book in the blink of an ear delves into the issue with great ferocity. Whilst not directly entrenched in the ideals of a chaosmatic listening, some transgressive examples of field recording-oriented compositions do dot the early 20th century. The most powerful perhaps being Walter Rotman's Weekend. Weekend was created using early film equipment that offered a capacity for sound recording. The piece, created for German radio, used visual montage methods and edits but concerned itself merely with sound. rejecting the visual in favor of the audio. This radical shift in focus, the reduction to sound in Rotman's aesthetic focus on cutting and splicing in some respects preempts Musique Concrete and John Cage's tape experiments. The possibility for most artists to make recordings using portable, high-fidelity equipment only arrived with the introduction of magnetic tape halfway through the 20th century. It's here we find the beginnings of how it is we consider a field recording today. Not all field recordings are affecting. I think anyone who has probed the seemingly endless digital archives of field recordists out there will be struck by just how utterly unremarkable a great deal of the recordings are. Now, to be fair, it's not so much the recordings that are unremarkable, it's our relationship to them. Some recordings are just for ourselves. They don't need to be shared or published. They are there for us to recognize some personal memory, a place, a feeling or an individual moment that was somehow best immortalized in sound.
I know a great many recordings I have made function purely in this way. They are for me and only make sense to me. Another common reason why some field recordings fail to convey the intentions of the recorder comes down to a disconnection between the two sets of ears at play during the field recording. These two listenings, that of the human organic ear and the prosthetic ear of the microphone is what allows a field recording its capacity to transit the listening of the artist. Both ears though operate within different horizons of listening. United in place and time, these horizons are shaped by the potential of their listening devices. The first horizon of listening is that of the organic ear. And the first horizon of this program is at 11 sharp. So uh, we're winding down. Uh, I never got to the station tonight, unfortunately. I'm still stuck here on my porch. That walk was nice, though. It was a very, uh, very good uh, thing to, to do uh, to take my mind off of things. <sighs> I bet it's warm inside. Anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, uh, upcoming events, our, our calendar, as it were, for the remainder of this year uh, uh november 25th uh that's our thanksgiving special uh we're gonna be playing some new stuff and some things we never got to throughout the rest of the year um also i should uh, announce that on the 26th at turn 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 in portland there's gonna be an excellent show sir richard bishop white shark shivers uh that's ex thinking fellows union folks and a uh, porist with one of his rare united states performances uh, are going to be playing at Turn, Turn, Turn that Saturday. That's after Thanksgiving. So uh, a little something to do uh, uh, when you're, you know, kind of tired of leftovers and you'd like to go and uh, see some some cool music. Uh, that might be uh, one of the few times you get to see Porist uh, in this country. So uh, uh, a friend of the show, and you should take that up. December 2nd, Four-Dimensional Nightmare live here in the studio on KMUZ on Mid-Valley Mutations. Uh, sometime in December, Jeremy Height, the author, and I are going to do a little collaboration on air. Should be a lot of fun. And then uh, our last two events for the year, December 23rd, our Christmas party, and December 30th, our New Year's party. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, what can I say? You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no show. Keep the tape recorders rolling and be seeing you!
It's an internal psychological listening, and it's here we create our listening to place. We actively prioritize certain elements and eschew others. An example is that right now as you hear this you are actively filtering a whole range of sounds. From your listening, take 10 seconds to reconnect with the sounds around you. That humming air conditioner, the television on downstairs, the traffic outside, those shoes connecting with the pavement nearby. Our ears are as good filters as they are listening devices, perhaps even better. This horizon is innately creative and agentive in that we shape and contour the impressions of place as a fluid and ongoing happening. The second horizon that occurs during field recording is an external, technological horizon of listening manifest by the other set of ears, the microphone. If we are to transmit our listening, as Sandy suggested in his earlier provocations, we need a translation device, a conduit for the listening to be transmitted. To me, a successful field record is just one who can transmit something of themselves in a particular place-time and that something is their listening. I'd argue that if listening is central to the success or failure of a field recording and this practice is to be part of a canon of sound arts, then surely there needs to be an agent I've Creative mode of listening Relational listening is one place where this creative capacity might be found. It's probably fair to say that for the first time in human history, ears are beginning to play a more central role in the way we understand, explore and conceive the world around us. The ability of reproduction and the chance to revisit certain sonic phenomena has played a huge role in this. With specific reference to field recording, we're now witnessing major cultural institutions such as the Louvre presenting installation works comprised entirely of field recordings.
Labels have been established entirely dedicated to these practices and countless online resources grow daily. There can be little question then that as a creative practice field recording has come sharply into relief of late. Mid-Valley Mutations Recognition perhaps of the profound and utterly affecting nature of the sounds and listenings contained within the recordings. Lawrence English, November 18, 2014. Finally.